Hello and welcome to Learning, Laughing, and Loving with your co-host Evan Money and yours truly, Scott Jones. This podcast is all you need. If you're looking to learn about the world, do it with a smile and to connect to the deeper mysteries of human life and the kind of connection everyone is looking to make. Money, 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 money. How are you, my friend? Scott Ken Jones, I'm tremendous, learning, laughing, loving on this beautiful, sunny, gorgeous day nice here day. in Southern California. Yeah, Southern California is a lovely spot to be, I hear. I have uh, many friends there. And did they, yeah, last time we talked, there was like a revolt at the beach, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. How did the revolt go? The revolt, the revolution. I didn't hear much about it, so I don't know if Gavin's going to bow down to the the pressure and the Bacardi ad statement. I've been passing that on, by the way, to much chagrin. Uh, have you stated that Gavin, when he was uh, San Francisco mayor, did that Bacardi ad or looked like a Bacardi? Ad? That, that <laughs> ad is so awesome. That ad is so awesome. There's nobody that looks more presidential now that looked less presidential than you. Look at him now. He looks like somebody you, for, that you would cast in a movie as president, like right at a central casting, right? The hair, the suits. Now, he looked so not presidential back then when he was mayor of San Francisco. So he's come a long way, but apparently uh, not popular with uh, with regard to anyone. The- yes, anyone that's in the beach cities that actually wants to go to the beach. But let me let me go back to the wonderful sunny weather because I have to tell you, Scott Kit Jones, some of our exponential growth listeners that are finally finding us and discovering best kept secret in podcasting is that for you in the Philly world, whenever my bride and I and our family are exposed to humidity, that means we're on vacation. Right, right, right. <laughs> got the, yeah, there's not humidity there, right? Correct. There's no humidity, no bugs. It's just beautiful. It's just a gorgeous day. Yeah, I love Southern California. Every time I've ever been there, I've had wonderful times there. It's an excellent place to be and to hang out. and I love it. Absolutely. All right, Scott Ken Jones. What are we talking about today? What are we diving into? We've had some great deep dives, by the way. That we have had some great deep dives. It's very interesting. There's no time to be alive right now, right? I mean, this is we're in like month, however long of a shutdown. It's it's so interesting. Like you, like you. We, we, I don't know. It's just a f- fascinating kind of time to look at how people are adapting or not adapting or freaking yeah. out or yes. and thinking through like the future of how long is this going to be like this? Which, yes. And yeah. And then the whole future of the, again, going back to the, the default of most people of, I just, let's, let's, I just wait till it gets back to normal. And it's like, well, there is no normal, but I got a, I got a super deep dive for you that I want to yeah, take on. I'm, I'm, take, I'm taking a risk here. So again, as the exponential growth happens and people keep telling each other, keep telling others about the show and all this. So this isn't normal, but I, this actually came across. So I wanted to see your, uh, expertise on this because you have a much uh, you have a more let should I say certified uh, I can be the qualified one you can definitely be the certified one as far as uh, spirituality and some of those things but had a great talk with a, a East Coaster man I totally respect he you know we could paint the picture of his color skin and this and that but it regardless doesn't matter uh, but he, he is uh, serving on a police force so he's seen a lot done a lot, been exposed to a lot, and he's big time into the deep dive conspiracy theories. And he does his work. He does his homework, which I'm super impressed. 
And he shared with me, he said, you know what? When when Trump first got elected, I was like, there's no way this guy could be who he is. And what he was like, anti-Trump all the way. And now he said this, he said, after following him for three and a half years, he finally realizes like, oh my gosh, I think this guy's the real deal. I mean, look at the way he's standing up to these people. Look at the way he's doing this. He's like totally done about face. But here's something he shared. And I have read books about this. I have heard it from other folks. And this is this is a big one, Scott Kent Jones. I want to make sure you're sitting down. I am sitting down. Okay, sitting down. Here we go. So I asked him because I wanted his conspiracy theory. Like, what's the end play here, right? Because everyone's got their theories. But at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out, like, who's gaining, right? It's, well, it's big pharma. What's well, got to be bigger than that, right? Who, what's, what's the end game? So he broke it. And he said it with a straight face. And I replied right back. So you're going to get us into the whole thing before you, 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 your mind blows here. So he says, Ev, I really think it's the aliens. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, I said, okay. He goes, but check it out. It's not just one race. There's two alien races. And one is for us and one is against us. And I was like, Joe, not his name, but I was like, Joe, you're absolutely right. And it's a different realm. He's like, yeah, man, it's a different realm. I'm all, that's the spiritual battle. That's angels angels and demons. And he's like, oh, man, I never thought of it that way. And I read this great, tremendous three-book series by Chuck Black called Light of the Last. And it's a true story. Uh, he wrote it in 2014. And it's today's time. And it's fiction, but it's fact fiction based on what would happen. Someone had a lab experiment a la Marvel, you know, origin story. He had a lab experiment in college, which allowed him to see into the spiritual realm. So he could see the angels and demons kind of battling and he could transition weapons into that realm and back and just so fascinating. And he called, he didn't, he wasn't spiritual in the, in the book. So he called them invaders. He's like, I see these invaders. I'm going crazy. There's the dark invaders and the light invaders. I don't know what's going on. And he has this whole like thing, like he's going crazy. Right. And finally someone shows him the scriptures and he's like, Oh my gosh, it's angels and demons. So at the end of the day, it all comes down to good versus evil. And I am a praying man and a big believer in strong prayer. And I know good is going to prevail. However, we need more of the silent majority to stand up and say, hey, you know, common sense, you know, the, the new common sense uh, party is going to arise from this of, hey, this doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? Hey, tell me why we can't go to the beach. This doesn't make sense. So all of that as I vomit all over you, Scott Kid Jones. Give me your takeaways. So I have a couple thoughts on the on the. Okay, I'll take the last thing you said first. I think I have a friend named, his name is uh, Harry Pierce, and he works at the Center for the Future of Democracy at Cambridge. He helps run that. And he wrote a really interesting piece about democracy in the age of COVID. And his point was that, it, it's, it's, it's a long piece, but his the, the thrust of it is sort of that if people don't, had the kind of consent of the government. Like what's happened is you have these experts trotted out through the administrative state and the state has in many instances, like across the world, you know, the United States, Western Europe kind of leaned on the experts because it didn't know what to do. It's a pandemic. And he says that, you know, the problem is if you don't have a deliberate democratic component, people are less likely to support what you do, support the sanctions, support the, he's like, so you, if you get a wider discussion going about what you're going to do in the pandemic, you might not get the precise kind of opinions that the experts think are the most recommended, but you will get 
more consensus and people will are less likely to sort of flout the standards if they have some kind of participation in shaping the standards, right? So I think that 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 I mean that just strikes me as like as part of and I know it's hard because it was a quick thing that happened and we made quick decisions, but part of the reason I think people in certain parts of the country are like, ah, screw, it, I'm not wearing a mask. It's just it's just because like they have been they they feel like they've been dictated to, yeah. right? And in some sense they have, but but you so so I think that that kind of long term I think that if if this like you know there are, I read models and stuff that you know we could be you know they could be over a year the conditions could be where you know you're, you're having to kind of open up and shut down open up and shut down uh as these things break out i mean the thing that i'm watching is like what happens when college colleges go back right like yes yes my buddy my buddy's his wife teaches at wvu and the student athletes came back and like 29 positive cases on the football team alone right and so he's thinking mm. if kids are packing into bars and morgantown and stuff it's just going to be is that going to be a new kind of because that's what kids are going to do like i mean you, they're just going to do that i mean you have to take that into account like so that's where i tend to think like going forward if there's going to be any kind of uh, sensible approach to this exactly right you, people are, people are going to have to feel like they've had some shape in in deciding the response or else people are just going to like freak out or they're going to have the 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 rally the 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 rally the war on the beach that you know that's just going to keep happening you know it 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 you know I'm surprised here in the Northeast how relatively compliant people have been I mean it it's it, I, I kind of it surprises me just because I'm like human nature like I don't know how long people can can sustain some of these practices again especially if there's not a sense that there's a we in this like it's it's we're doing this together yes. not like yeah. you're being told so. That's why I went though. On the Angels thing, mm-hmm. here's what's interesting. You know, like I, I find it interesting. I like like histories of ideas a lot. And you think like in the first like five centuries of the church, there's almost no mention of angels. Mm. Like people just don't. They, 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 this point comes out in the movie The Two Popes. Francis is. Oh yes, yes. Because Francis is talking about change, and he's like, "Look, uh, for the first five centuries, no angels anywhere. Then." Now they're everywhere, like pigeons. <laughs> but but it is interesting how we think about things, like the devil or angels, and how like our, I think that that people's the way th- people think about these realities is often shaped by the currents of the culture and kind of you know how we're. So that's interesting to me. I, I've never heard. I, I haven't really heard of the connection between alien races and angels and demons, but that's very. Very interesting. And do you know that like... Well, I mean, let's think about it, right? If you're like anti-spiritual, no religion, none of that stuff, you know, there's the whole alien culture, the hidden thing. Right, 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 right. right? I mean, so it naturally makes sense to where like, hey, I'm seeing things like and other people can't see them and they're in this different realm and there's some kind of control, right? Like the, the more you dig into it, the more it's just you just submit, you know, just change out alien and angel. Alien and demon, and the demons are the fallen angels. So that that can go so you can easily move those in and out. Um, and I think there's there's definitely something to that. I'm obviously on the angel and demon side, not on the alien side. But um, again, when you talk about control, right? And oh my gosh, I feel like I'm being influenced, and they're messing with my mind and mind control and all that. I mean, it it really lines up. Yeah, no, it does. It, it no, it does. It's an interesting. 
it, it's an interesting kind of reality. And you think about how we think about like spiritual forces and things like that today. And I'm fascinated too that like if you look in the Old Testament, there's like no mention of demons. There's mention of angels, certainly. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like in the New Testament, angels become less prominent. They're there though, but mm-hmm. but demons become much more prominent, yeah. right? Like, I mean, yeah. there's so it's a very interesting kind of you know how that all that stuff maps out. And again, where where again, like what interests me is why doesn't why are there certain ideas that just don't play a prominent role for centuries? Mm-hmm. They kind of drop out, yeah, and yeah. then they get picked back up. Like that, that stuff always interests me. Like, what is it? What is it that? How is it that certain kind of ideas or concepts, even theological concepts and ideas, are like come and go? And why do they come and go? And that's not necessarily an indicator of their veracity or their falsehood, and whether they're true or false. It's just it it, it, it interests me how things come into purview you know why do why why do some in in some points of history do we think about like like it's interesting like in the early church <clears throat> there's tons of writing about the virgin birth and there's tons of writing about the empty tomb there's not a lot of writing about what the crucifixion does for christians doesn't really happen until like the middle ages right mm-hmm. and some of that is like the anxiety like there's this guy paul tillich who wrote this I think this is in his book, The Courage to Be, which is fantastic. And there were lectures given at Yale or something in the 50s. But he said there's three different root anxieties. And so he thinks there's one root anxiety about the fear of non-being and the fear of death, right? And so he thinks in the early church, that's what everybody's thinking about, the fear of death. Mm-hmm. So they're not. So they're mainly concerned about Jesus because he was born a virgin, kind of incorruptible being, and he rose from the dead. And so he could make our being incorruptible and we could, you know. And, and you think in the early church, like when a hangnail could kill you, <laughs> you know, like it's just a reality you're concerned. And then yeah, yeah. he thinks then there's the moral anxiety. And he thinks the moral anxiety is about do I measure up? Like, am I a good enough person? Mm. And he thinks when the moral anxiety stuff comes to the forefront, then people start writing about the cross and, and mm. how like, like the famous book by Anselm, Cur Deus Homo, Why Did God Become Man? And it's all about the cross. Uh, and then he thinks the third root anxiety, which he thinks is the kind of modern root anxiety, is the anxiety about meaninglessness? Mm. Like, does anything mean anything? Man, and he thinks true. there. Yeah. He thinks there the action shifts not to from the the manger or empty tomb or the cross. It's it moves to Galilee. Jesus the prophet. Jesus mm. the revealer. Jesus the mm. teacher. Mm. And I think that that's you now. Generally, I think people find their way if you become a, a, a traditional kind of religious Christian you'll probably find your way into the faith through one of those, but connect to the other two. Cause we all feel some of these anxieties, but that's a, another interesting thing to me, how like certain stories and certain streams of the story are so significant uh, now and then, and aren't significant, you know, in other times. But the thing that I think is the most overlooked one right now i think everybody i think that people there's a lot of like christian writers and thinkers that sort of cosmopolitan writers that think that like luther's understanding of things is passe right that this sort of um the troubled conscience over the righteous god and all this stuff is 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 kind of old-fashioned and and i could not disagree more Mm -hmm. i think i think actually it it 
translates largely into performanceism, right? And we, a group I do some writing for, and I used to do a podcast work called Mockingbird. It's a great, their website's ember.com. Uh, they do great work on this stuff. They basically, they said, you know, there's the law of God, the big L law, <laughs> which we all know, like, if we're honest, oh my gosh, we're not, you know, if we're honest, we, we, we don't measure up to it. You know, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't love our creator or other people or ourselves and healthy ways. Then they said, there's these little L laws that we are for ourselves. I got to be the perfect parent, the perfect entrepreneur, the perfect, ah, yes. the perfect sort of American, the perfect um, cultural critic, the perfect, and they're like, it's often it's. So even if I'm a sort of person that's not traditionally moral or traditionally religious, and I sort of have muted the sting of the big L, the law of God, all the little L laws that I've written myself will just get under my skin and needle me, needle me, needle me, needle me. And we used to just like, for this group I used to work with, we used to just like find articles all the time. We had this like weekly wrap up thing where we'd say, this is what's going on in the New York Times. And we would just find all this data that just proved this, that basically people are burnout. They are, they don't, they're yearning for acceptance. Um, they're yearning for basically what the traditional proclamation of Christianity has said that you're a forgiven sinner, that you're accepted, no strings attached, unconditionally, not because of who you are uh, or what you've done, but because of, of the unconditional love of God. And I just think that is still the most powerful thing in the spiritual arsenal. And if someone gets it, mm. if when, when it, when that, when that breaks through, it is so transformative. Um, and, and I would say in my own life, when mm. I have, when I have struggled, uh, it has been the thing that has always been, the, it, it's not what, it's not just what makes you a Christian. It's what keeps you a Christian, right? Mm. It's that you never graduate behind it or mm. beyond it. I think that mm. that, that kind of thing where you're actually, mm-hmm. where you realize, like the prodigal son, you know, we're, we're, you know, he's coming back home to the father after blowing his fortune and screwing up his son, and, and he's rehearsing his speech, right? This is yes. what you do when you're, yes. And the father runs out and stops him, yes, rehearsing his speech. I think that, so that, so I don't know. I don't know how it plays in with angels and demons and, and or aliens. And I hope that whatever realities are on our side because i i because <laughs> this is getting i'm just like getting like to the point where i'm just like gosh some days i look out at the world and i'm like uh and it's funny because you know what's the what's the drug that trump said he was taking preventatively hydro tetracycline hydro tetracycline or something and everybody made fun of no now it turns out that like there's several studies that say this works preventively. If you get it early enough, right, it, it actually does have, have prophylactic kind of impacts that it works, that it can in many cases like slow down the thing, which is really important because if we don't have a vaccine for this virus, it's all going to be in, in therapy and treatment. Like that's how, how we're going to save people's lives. So now the left is all upset because Trump, Trump will be right, right? So if you're like <laughs> right wing, you're like, I'm not wearing a mask because if I wear a mask, that's the, you know, that shows I've given to the liberals. Yes, the liberals say, yes. well, no, we can't look at these things for the hydro touch because Trump said, you know, like, he, and I think he said it. I love how Trump is like such a salesman. I don't think he's taking that drug, but he was kind of like, you know, I'm taking it preventatively. I mean, I, I was ready for him to say, and I'm drinking bleach. I take a little <laughs> bit of bleach. <laughs> and then I'm going to, you know, I, I imagine Trump getting there. Yeah, I'm drinking bleach. And one of the doctors say, no, look. <laughs> 
He's not taking the kind of bleach you. This isn't Clorox. <laughs> this is the presidential seal. <laughs> this is therapeutic bleach. But that's it's just funny because my Canadian friends, like I talk to you pretty regularly, they're just like, "How the hell can you guys politicize a pandemic?" Because <laughs> like they have a pretty, they have a pretty in one of their provinces, they have a pretty conservative kind of Trump esque premier. Mm-hmm. And when this happened, they all just worked together. Like uh, there was no kind of like, oh, okay, well if you're a, if you're in the liberal party or this the conservative party they just kind of like it's 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 an interesting disturbing thing how we how we can politicize everything here oh yes 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 so here but here's here we go deep dive let me i'll back up we'll back up and go forward here so real quick so on the you talked about you know the narrative earlier what you were saying the thing that came up for me was the ability of the toxic catholic church and the control mind to control the narrative yeah. So it was all about, we just, we, and back then they could, right? There was enough, they could control the narrative. And then lo and behold, Martin Luther comes up, right? And pounds the, you know, the articles on the church door. Um, so that narrative has always been there. How do we control the narrative? How do we control the narrative? How do we do this? Hitler was a master of that, controlling the narrative through media, through film. He was the one that found, that discovered the power of propaganda through film, and, and pushing it that way. And he could control a lot of the narrative. Now it seems the more, the more control, the more they try to push it down, the more leaks out the sides. And that, that's what's happening in today's world. And then diving into currently, right, politicizing, okay, mask is the right, you know, no, ma- or no mask to the right, mask to the left, and all this stuff. Here's, here's a thought. Here's a thought. Yeah, I read this. Uh, trying to remember who the author was to give him credit, but he he spoke into the whole you know end times, number of the beast, and all this stuff. And you know, I just harken back to eighties middle school with all the Iron Maiden T shirts, you know, and six 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 like engraved on the forehead. And, that, and the author was like, "Look, it's not a literal tattoo; it's a mindset. It's the mindset of who you're following." So here's here's the thought: the mask now becomes the mark of the beast. Right? Like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Come on! Oh. All right, I'll tell you what. Put the mask. Put the mark of the beast on me. I'm wearing a mask. <laughs> now the mask is the mark of loving your neighbor. Somebody had this great. I saw this great thing on Facebook where they were explaining mask. It was some meme, and they were like, "Look, imagine somebody um, is peeing, trying to pee on your leg, and their pants are down and your pants are up. You're still gonna get wet." But what if they have their pants up and they're trying to pee on your leg? It's mostly going to go on their pants. <laughs> and they were like, and that's why you wear the mask. <laughs> so that's, you know, just, you know, keep your respiratory droplets on your own leg. I hate that. I so hate that that's a part of my vocabulary now. Yes, I know. But oh, yeah. And let me give you, we'll, we'll totally ADD segue off to something I think you'll find hilarious. So, on my other sports uh, podcast, um, and, I, and I'll share this with you. So I have one, my first actual like real mentor that I reached out to who was uh, alive and who uh, would actually talk with me. Previously, my mentors were books, uh, audio cassettes, those kind of things. But I was able to make a connection with uh, a professional sports team owner who is now an owner of an NBA team and like full controlling owner of the whole thing. And I said, like, hey, you know, are you going into the bubble? You know, speaking of, of droplets, I said, are you going to the bubble? And he was like, well, I can go in, but I can't talk to the team. But at least I get to see the game. And he goes, you know what? It feels kind of like my whole life's in a bubble right now. 
I was like, isn't that the truth, man? Yeah. Um, but here's what he said. And then we or then we, we talked about some other, but then on, on the show, we were talking about in the bylaws that the NBA wrote. Okay, so the players are in the bubble. They can they can play and let these droplets fly on the court, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, still, it's still NBA basketball. They're banging into each other. They're sweating all over each other. They're doing all this, right? Yet, in the common areas of the bubble, Scott Kent Jones, they are not allowed to play ping pong together. <laughs> yeah, that's just, yeah, that's just so, <laughs> because of, so crazy. Because of the droplets. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I just played for 45 minutes sweating all over these guys and now i can't play ping pong yeah, what's the higher risk right yeah. i mean yeah, yeah i mean that that's that's crazy i mean this is this is, and this is where like you know i think and this gets back to what we we're talking about before like the governor of michigan was a pretty harshly criticized early on for her response because there were these things you could do this you can't you, you can go here but you can't go to your summer cabin you can't do this you can do this and i said you know i was thinking like I'm sure that somebody, there were public policy people sitting in a big room and there probably were reasons for all these things, right? Like, I'm sure they're not just like, oh, let's screw these people here. Let's do this. But the question is like, how big is the, is the kind of set of lenses where you're looking at your reasons? You know, my friend Chris and I have started this thing called Basecamp and uh, where people are getting together and, just talking from all different perspectives. And, and part of the reason we're convinced that this is a helpful model is that, well, if they'd had a bunch more lenses in the room, you probably would have had some people going, really? Is yeah, there exactly. really the exactly. ping pong rule? Yeah. Like, really, guys, can, can I would just talk about the ping pong rule real fast? <laughs> but this is what happens when you get an echo chamber, right? Yes. You, yes. You, you, get, you get in this feedback loop and all of a sudden, you're, oh yeah, of course. Oh, well, we can't, we, well, you know, I mean, the athletes got to keep them healthy so we can take the risk on the court, but I mean, can't, no, the ping pong table, that's crazy. So, so but, but you know I mean? Like you, you, you could imagine you get a small group of people and this is where like, I think in, in, lo- in lots of things in life, whether it's in religious endeavors and entrepreneurial endeavors, like w- when you get like, uh, a, 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 the, when the system becomes, doesn't have sufficient kind of guards and feedback loops and things like that. You, you get myopic, and 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 again, you're and you're making these decisions. Which again, I'm sure these are reasonably intelligent people who are sitting there thinking about. Well, I mean, the 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 insurance guy, you know, the the underwriter told us, well, you know, you got to expose <laughs> the thing and this and so. I mean, no ping pong and so and all this again. All this suddenly makes sense somehow, right? Like, I mean, have, I mean, we've all had experiences, right, where we had an idea that was so stupid. And so Atlanta, and so not workable. And yet in the moment, it seemed like the most compelling, yes. sensible, you know. Uh, and so that, yeah, that's just a fascinating. Are you in the bubble? You can't play ping pong. <laughs> but it goes back to like the echo chamber, what you're saying of saying, all right, going forward, right? What have we learned from this, right? Like th- this is my, and I believe we shared about this on a couple other shows, but, you know, I was under the belief, right? And we we're, you know, just seemed ingrained like there's two sides of the story, right? Right, right, right. And I was like, wait a minute, there's all sides of the story. There's a million sides. Yeah. So that, and that's what I loved about the the base camp. The part that I enjoyed was getting in that room of hearing all sides of the story. And it was just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yes, that could be the new, uh, also the, the, the party cry as the common sense party uh, emerges. Keeper uh, Sutherland. Yes, yes. I started I started rewatching that show by the way. Like Nice. I started rewatching Destiny Survivor and I was and then I started rewatching The West Wing. 
And I was like sitting there thinking like, I wonder if people just sat there and were like, dude, we just need to reboot the West Wing and we'll make it this third party guy and Kiefer Sutherland will be this kind of, because it is a pretty great, if, for those of you who haven't seen it, Destiny Story is a great show. It and is. the West Wing was a great serial drama. And then the White House and politics and intrigue and, and crises. And I just thought like, this is like, somebody just like recreated a show like the West Wing and it's awesome. No, well, check this out. I'm I'm still like again. I'm on it. That's uh, I'm catching up, but uh, you know, binge watching is not my thing. It's it's a rarity when I get a chance to to dial it in. But I'm on, I'm on, like on season one, episode eight or nine of Disney Survive. But I got to the part where they had the pandemic over the poles. Like there was a bioterrorist attack. Remember where right, you, right, right, right. Like we're gonna put the virus on the poles, and these people died. And I'm just like, you know, sharing with the. Uh, um, and you'll know the the names, right? Who is the guy with the crazy, you know, fornication island who just got arrested and died in prison? Um, oh, uh, talk about uh, um, Epstein. Epstein, yes. Yeah. So Epstein is like the guy from Disney Survivor, the terrorist that they captured and mysteriously was killed in prison, and it's just you know art imitating life and life imitating art. And I'm like, wait a minute, this we're you know this Disney Survivor is a couple years old, and I'm like, they're they're reaching in that playbook for the stuff that's happening right now. Dude, like, dude, I'll tell you what, I want Trump's press secretary because I saw her say she is so good because you know he said he was asked about her uh, the the woman who just got she's been arrested and she, they didn't give her bail. I forget her name. Um, the woman that's in the news right now uh, that apparently grew, and Trump's like, look, I'll just say I wish her well. I mean, I hope. And then somebody said. <laughs> And then, then, then Brett Baer at Fox News was, like, was talking to the press secretary. He's like, well, when he said that, I mean, that a lot of people thought that was unusual. She, and she's like, she didn't ban us. What she mean, what he means is Jeffrey Epstein was killed in prison, and he doesn't want to see that happen. He wants to see justice done. And I was like, she is so good. <laughs> like, like, she didn't ban an eyelash. Like, I was like, that, that is like, that's who I want as my corporate spokesperson. If I'm ever like a big corporation and had enough money to hire somebody good, she would be my person. Because she didn't, I was like, how's she going to get out of this one? She yeah. was nonplus. She was like, well, I mean, yep. he just, you know, he don't, doesn't want her to die in prison. You know, want justice served. Shaping the narrative, baby. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And that's kind of my thing of, you know, the anti-narrative shape of, hey, what would it look like for me in my life if I told the whole truth and nothing but the truth yeah. all the time, all yeah. the time, instead of like, oh, how am I going to shape this? How am I going to slant this? What a, instead of just saying like, boom, here's the way it is. So I think that, again, goes back to the call of the common sense party of, hey, let's look at all sides and let's do some great things. But Scott Ken Jones, I know we got to keep the show short because you've got pressing engagements. I think the White House is maybe even calling you right now saying, Scott Ken Jones, exactly. come on. I would hey, how, Dude, I would, how cool I would, would it love be? That. How cool would it be to have the Scott Kent Jones podcast where you could actually get like hardcore, because that's always the thing, right? You can never really have true debates because everybody just wants to scream and yell and insult each other. But like an actual intelligent debate, right? Of like, Scott, you have your own room in the White House, right? And you just bring different people in to interview on your podcast. Hey, what's really going on here? What's going on here? Like, but in the, in the, in the, in the room, in the room, Scott, that would be awesome. The White House. Ooh, I would love it. I would love it. If you guys are listening, bring me down. I'll hang out. I'll love it. I'll, I'll uh, you know, it would be fantastic. Yes. And that's what, that's what I'm enjoying about Doesn't Answer Survive. They got all these great B-roll shots of the White House. And I hearken back to the uh, to the movie that I made, my um, documentary, where we got some great White House footage. And all funny story as we end. Um, 
So my, um, we went, there was a high alert when we were there filming. I forgot what the issue was, but they literally, like, we're at the Lincoln Memorial, and there are armed guards just walking around, you know, with guns, you know, on the shoulders, wow. everything, fully, like, high alert. So the, the White House was crazy. Like, normally they hide the guys on the roof. They're, like, 50 guys on the roof. There's stuff everywhere. And I remember my cameraman in, in his heart trying to get the best shot, Scott Kent Jones. That's a true. That's a guy you want. No, no, but that's yeah, check it out. No, no, but check, check it out. He's got. We there are legit snipers on the roof. You can see the guns pointed at you, and he is literally sticking his camera through the metal gates because he wants a shot of the White House without the metal gates. And he's like sticking his camera, and I'm like, dude, you stick your camera there. It's not, it's not coming back. And he's like, no, man, I got to get the shot. I got to get the shot. And he got the shot. We got some. That's great who you want. Hero. Yes. Yes. Was willing to risk it. I was like, okay, man, that's on you. I that's love you, but that's that, on you. That's all you want to do. If you're that cameraman when you're applying for jobs, you just your cover letter is just, dear sir, I'll get the shot. <laughs> Sincerely yours. <laughs> and he got it. He got the shot. And he took his shot. So Scott Ken Jones, fast show, but lots of learning. Fast lots but of fun. Knowledge, man. Lots of learning from me. Listen to Scott Ken Jones. This was fun. No, this is really fun. Thanks, my friend. I always appreciate it. No, appreciate you. And to all the exponential growth listeners, keep sharing the word, spread it. Yes, we're getting there. Making things happen. Excited. I love it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Learning, Laughing, and Loving with Evan Money and Scott Jones. If you like what you've heard here, please do something for us. Go to iTunes and write a review. Give us a rating. Tell people. Share it on social media. If you found something you love here, share the love and goodness with the world. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, friends, fare thee well.